We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of the Soft Purple Podcast presented by the College Corner. I am your host, Neil McCready. Today on the show, Tyler Siski, uh, former Ole Miss kind of recruiting director at the same position at Alabama, now with Quick U, a um, kind of a, a subscription service for colleges, helping them uh, organize their recruiting efforts. He's been all over the country, was at the coaches' convention over the, uh, over the last weekend. So we talked to him about a number of things involving recruiting, Transfer Portal, NIL, and uh, so much more. So you'll enjoy hearing that in just a minute. First, I want to tell you that we're brought to you by the College Corner. It's your one-stop Rebel Shop. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet and Flowood. It's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, it's okay. Go to the College Corner at collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Whether you're tailgating in Oxford or home gating with friends and family, the College Corner has you covered for game day. They have the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. Also brought to you by Daniel Barfield, Barfield Wealth Management. Founded in 2000, Daniel Barfield's been serving individuals and businesses in the Oxford and North Mississippi area for more than 20 years. He carries both CFP and CPA designations, is affiliated with the Advisors Resource Council. It's a registered investment advisory firm with offices in Oxford, New Orleans, Dallas, and the surrounding areas. Daniel and his staff offer comprehensive financial planning, including investment management, estate and tax planning, insurance planning, business retirement plans, and more. He wants to thank his current clients for putting their trust in him and his firm and welcome new clients interested in learning how BWM can help achieve their financial goals. Contact him at 662-236-6454. Visit his website at barfieldwealthmanagement.com to learn how he can help you. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Right to the bottom line, no hassle, no haggle. You uh, get a quote, and the rest is completely up to you. You can shop it around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 662-257-1900. Now here is Tyler Siski, Mississippi. All right, Tyler, um, where, where was the convention again? San Antonio. Talking to the mic. There Good you gracious, go. this thing's like I get mine super sensitive. They get mad at me when I get up here. So. Yeah, no, you got to you got to talk into yeah, it. Yeah, San Antonio, Texas. How was that? It was good. We had uh, a lot of coaches down there. You know, we had a nice super spreader event down there. So that's you know, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. But no, we got a chance to see a lot of coaches and you get to really see a lot of uh, buddies that you coach with years ago. It's more like for I guess the old guys like me, you get a chance to see guys you haven't seen in a while that you coach with and 
you know, that's the one unique thing about coaching is you have you – know, you're such a close knit of friends and you spend more time with them than you actually do your own, you know, your family. Oh, of course. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get fired or whatever, everybody disappears and you get a chance to reconnect. So, that's a good time. Enjoyed it. All right, I want to dive into this because I know – One of those things, what happens with me is that I do so many podcasts that I turn my phone on silent and then I miss calls and you forget it. And on a weekend where I don't need to miss calls because I'm following a handful of stories, I don't want to miss calls and I forget that I'm doing a podcast where I need to mute my phone. Yep. No, you're good. All right. So you've pretty much spent the majority of your career. I know you're at one point you were a wide receivers coach, I think at South Alabama, but most of your yeah. career in coaching has been built around recruiting and evaluating and organizing and what is essentially now a GM role. Right. You were at Alabama, you were at Ole Miss, but that was before NIL kicked in. It was before the one time – well, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get into that in a minute because I got some theories on this. Um, but it was before – it was before – but it was before technically NIL kicked in. Correct. And it was before the one-time transfer for sure. kicked in for sure. Yeah. I mean, you you did not operate in an era when kids could say, hey, coach, I'm getting in the portal and I'm yeah. going to go play against you next year. Thank God. Um, you were at the convention. I have a suspicion that when the coaches were sitting around at the end of the day having a beer or a cocktail or whatnot, that the transfer portal came up. And I'm curious – what coaches really think of the portal. Because if I ask a coach on the record now, hey, what do you think of the transfer portal? He's going to say, you know, it, it changes the game. It's problematic a little bit, but we're all for the kids. You know, the kids deserve to have an opportunity to do whatever, whatever, whatever. What do they really think of the transfer portal? It sucks. You know, the big, the biggest thing, and it, it it's terrible across all levels. You know, a lot of, a lot of uh, with the issues, a lot of times, like Ole Miss actually has an advantage. I know you and I have talked about this before, but – Ole Miss doesn't start class until Tuesday, right? Right. And then you have this drop ad window. Till about the 30th or the 31st. Usually in the month. Here, yeah. I remember it was like right around the end of the month. Yeah, I think, it, I think it is the 31st is the last day that you can add classes and they count. Right. So I was talking to a, a friend of mine who a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably know, but is that a, a school that played in a game on Monday night and then was successful? They actually started class on Monday yeah. of the national championship game. Right. And they had guys come. It was a very crazy situation. They had guys that they had signed mid-year. They started classes on Monday. They had to tell them to hold up and wait because they could not enroll them because they had they were over their 85. Does that make sense? Like they had to let those guys, the juniors that were leaving, the Kobe Deans and those kind of declare that I'm not coming back so they could start adding people the day after class. It's insane. But the portal, if they, they have – it's too big of a window. That's the problem, Okay. And, yeah. and <clears throat> like in the NFL, you have a month, you have two months, whatever, you have this free agency period. Well, this thing never stops, okay? And when you're trying to get kids into school and do those things and roster manage with your 85, I mean, it's a nightmare. Then you're having to recruit your own kids. That's the other thing a lot of them are pissed about, off about is you don't like uh, people that played in the game Monday night. They didn't they, – they had a good fun night. They literally went to work when they came got off the plane. And the first thing you have to do is start recruiting their own players to stay. Okay, so you don't even get to go recruit other players. you got to recruit your own players. And so when you have a good team, that's what those coaches are pissed off about because they're having to recruit their own players not to leave. 
So where do you where do you see it going? Because I don't. I, I I think once you you know it's it's the proverbial tube, right? You, you open the tube and you start squeezing the toothpaste out. It, you're not getting it back in, and, and if you do, it's it's not going to be clean. So how do you? Where does it go from here? Because it's, I mean, the exam. It was funny. I was watching the the rebelgrove.com message board today, and there was a thread on there about, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a ha ha. Arkansas lost two guys to LSU. And you're like, I get it, but this should alarm you when you see, in this case, it's two kids from New Orleans. Uh, it's uh, Greg Brooks and um, Fusha. I think it's Joe Fusha, yeah. number seven. Yep, good player. Two guys who played. Yeah, yeah two guys were multi-year starters at, uh, at at were multi-year starters at Arkansas from Louisiana. LSU did not recruit them out of high school. Um, they go to Arkansas. They have successful careers. New coach comes into LSU, and obviously, they're everybody's tampering. Everybody's tampering. Allegedly, allegedly tampering. <laughs> That's a good word, by the way. Yeah, allegedly is a, a a foolproof word. They so those those guys leave Arkansas to go to LSU, right? And they under the premise of we're going home when it's another bite at the apple. So you've got you've got guys now that that have figured it out. Those are guys that I'm going to guess over the course of the season that Sam Pittman and Barry Odom and them probably weren't having to think about or shouldn't – they weren't thinking about, probably should have been thinking about because they're trying to put together plans and figure out what they're going to do to replace this guy or this guy or who you're bringing in. And, and now you lose you lose guys and you look around the league and you're like, hey, man, I mean, you, you laugh now, but that could so easily happen to you. I mean, you – yeah, Ole Miss could lose two kids to Alabama. To, to to LSU to whatever I mean it just you wonder so I'm wondering as a coach how do you how do you go about roster building knowing that these are the kind of things the bombs that can go off at any minute you know the funny thing about the portal and some people are using it this way the unicorns the ones that have the most value are the freshmen right so you get a really talented kid that you may have recruited that you didn't get okay if you can get him like the next year in the portal now he can't go anywhere He's locked in. You don't have to worry about him. But the another issue a lot of the coaches were complaining about, and I would have been too, is you can't coach the kids hard anymore, okay? You know, if you get on a kid or you – and this is coaching. I mean, these kids, a lot of these kids don't have a father figure at home, okay? And they come to you. And a lot of times, actually more times than not, you're, you're the only male influence that they've had in their life. And so when you start, you know, in life, in, you know, school, if you, if you try to start getting on them and hold them accountable for actions, they can hit the easy button and go in the portal because they don't like it. And then the, the biggest problem with me that's not talked about enough, and I hope fans understand this, I've talked about it to nauseam on my podcast, but the biggest issue is, is that all these kids are going in the portal, right? And every year, every single year, there's about two-thirds of them that don't come out of the portal. They stay in the portal forever. That's those kids. College football is the only way they're paying for their education. And so they've made an emotional decision. Okay. About going into the portal. An example, we would have a kid. It happened here when I was here the first time when the, the portal has been around, it's the immediate eligibility that's changed everything. Sure. But the fact in the, in the old days, the having to sit a year was a detriment that you really made you think. Correct. It made it, it made it less of an emotional decision because you said, okay, I'm at Ole Miss, and it's not working out right now. Um, I hate Coach Siski. He's a jackass. Um, but if I transfer to Memphis, I got to sit all of next year. Yep. And for a young guy, for young people, a year's a long time. Tough. 
hey, I got to sit a whole season. I got to run scout team for a year, yep. a whole year. I got to go to workouts. I got to do all the stuff, but I don't, I don't get Saturday afternoon or Saturday night. I don't get that for a whole year. My buddies do, but I don't. And a lot of times that would lead a kid to go, all right, damn it, maybe I did something wrong. Maybe I do need to work a little harder. Maybe, maybe some of the stuff that they're saying is right. And then they overcome that, and then two years down the road, guys like me are writing stories where the guy goes, yeah, you know, I'm at, that, that first year was kind of touch and go. I didn't really like it, and I didn't like the way Coach Siski was coaching me, but I love that guy now. You know, yep. you hear those stories. Well, now those stories are fewer between because now you're right. That kid's four games in, and he goes, you know what? If I hop in the portal right now, this year never happened. Yeah. I played four games. At Ole Miss, I hate Coach Siski. I'm leaving. I'm going to get in the portal. There's nothing they can do about it. And the high school coach from back at home called and said, hey, uh, you remember that coach you used to like over there at Texas? He said they got a spot for you. Yeah. So you just got to hop in the portal now. And you hop in the portal. And once you're in the portal, it is what it is. And so you, you, can't, and you can't tell the kid, no, no, you're not hopping in the portal. We're going to make this problematic for you because you happen to come from a feeder system a feeder high school that we want to recruit down the road and we want to be able to recruit other guys and we don't want that reputation. So you begrudgingly allow him to enter the portal. He continues to use your athletic and academic facilities. And then at January, he's bolts. He's a longhorn and he only played in four games. It's a red shirt. He's got four years to play now. You know, he lost his get out of jail free card, but that's the, that was the problem. I was talking to someone today. I want to get your opinion on this. I was talking to someone today who said the problem with college football today is not, that NIL is a bad thing or that the transfer portal is a bad thing or that the four-game redshirt thing is a bad thing. It's that they did it all at once and that there was no way to acclimate to everything. And so now it's this wild, wild west of nobody really knows how to regulate it. Yeah, so used to you would have some kind of rule change that was, you know, dramatic. You'd get one like once every five years, okay? You know, whether it be eligibility issue, you know, uh, guidelines or whatever it was, right? They just dumped NIL, transfer portal, uh, or immediate eligibility, I shouldn't say transfer portal. They dumped all of that in the, in the same, in the same, literally at the exact same time, okay? Problem two is, is the people making the rules and legislation have never coached or played or ran a recruiting department a day in their life, okay? So they, they say, oh, it's a good idea, but they can't see the forest because the trees are in the way, okay? They can't, they don't understand the issues that are going to come from it. Is it a good idea? Sure, it just needs to be regulated on the front end. They need, in my opinion, they need to be more proactive instead of reactive. Okay, so with NIL, it's legal cheating. We can call it what we want to call it. It's sure. legal cheating. Sure. Okay, and the reason that the NIL, I know there's reports, uh, I, I was told 700 times over last week, I still haven't seen the tweet, I'm sure you have, um, but how much money that Texas A&M spent on their recruiting class. I'm sure that got everybody fired up about that, huh? Yeah, it's roughly $30 million is the rumor. Is the rumor, right? I haven't seen anything. Um, I haven't asked anybody, but – at the end of the day, the money is now getting larger. The money involved in recruiting is much more than it used to be when mm-hmm. it was when it was just fun stuff, you know, because people that didn't want to get involved before now can get a tax write-off. They're getting 1099s when they're going to nonprofit organizations. And so people that didn't donate to the calls <laughs> in the previous years are now getting involved. And so now you have a lot bigger wallets involved. Sure. Well, to to your point, right, the guy that in the past would funnel $25,000 in cash to the 
slush fund, which is essentially what it was. Well, there's no point in pretending. Allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> now that guy forms a shady LLC that's a charitable, not-for-profit, what, whatever, and, and writes it off. And it's a tax write-off. And uh, He still lost $25,000, but he didn't lose all of it. It's a different deal. And, yeah. and it's, it's above board to, it a, to a degree. And so the, the guys that leave a program for another program, and when you see a kid jump in the portal and a day later he's at his new place, <clears throat> there may have allegedly been some. My favorite ones are the two-hour ones. <laughs> Those are my favorite ones. <laughs> the kid was in the portal for like an hour, yeah. and he's at the new place. Yeah, those are my favorite ones. Yeah, that deal's done. And a lot of times there was an NIL. The NIL thing bothers me because I'm, I'm a stickler for, like, it either is or it isn't. If, if the NIL was used as a recruiting inducement, and it obviously was, then it wasn't NIL. It was a recruiting inducement. <laughs> right. It's only NIL when a deal is reached after the player enrolls at School X and becomes officially a student athlete at School X via compliance and the deal is approved through compliance and paperwork is filed. Well, then it's NIL. And so my thing has always been it's either NIL or it's not. There's no, there's no like steps of NIL or stages of NIL. It's either this is NIL. And an NIL deal could be for $10 or it could be for $10 million. But it's either an NIL deal or it's not. It's a, it's a violation. And so you see these guys that are going and you hear like, oh, he's got already got these NIL deals worked out. And I realize that that is shady and it's areas of gray, but it's technically, it's just, it's the same thing it used to be. It's just now, now we're disguising it or calling it NIL because that's, that's, that's more, um, appetizing and because frankly the schools and i'm curious when you talk to people and god knows ncaa or four letters you don't like to hear but when you when you are at the convention and you talk to people is is there an assumption among college coaches that hey right now the ncaa is kind of fangless that they they don't have any bite and that as long as you're not just outrageously stupid about this it's going to be fine i think that's across all sports right now i think uh I, and my opinion, I even think it goes to with the with what's going on with basketball and the FBI investigations. I think the reason a lot of these things are getting drawn out is because I think that by the time, and you're starting to see it, you know, the less and less penalties go out for things. And I mean, you saw, you know, Auburn's issue, right, with basketball. I mean, I got that team. I went to the Final Four. Oh, I didn't get to go to the tournament next year. Oh, but now I got probably one of the best teams in the country again this year, and all I got to do is miss two games. Sign me up for oh, that. Oh, for sure. You know, I think that the uh, a lot of the penalties and stuff, I think with the NIL, and I've said this, for that was, in my opinion, when the NIL got passed, that's the beginning of the end for the NCAA, one way or another, okay? You know, it, you know, NCAA is an amateur sport, right, allegedly, all right? But when you, when you start to do NIL, and again, I was fortunate enough to have these conversations with them, you know, three years ago when they would ask what's your opinion and you show up, they don't, they ask for your opinion, then they don't listen to what you tell them. But my suggestion was, I was like, look, you can do away if you want to keep the NCAA, the NCAA, because they did. That's what they want to do. But now they've gotten to the point where they just want a piece of their pie somehow. Okay. They're, they're hanging on to every last straw they have. We have a, we have a professional, we have a NIL. It's called the NFL. Okay, and all they had to do was say, okay, after, after your, if you want to make money as your, as your name, image, and likeness, 
you can go to the NFL whenever you want to instead of waiting three years. Now, because here's what would have happened. You would have had all these freshmen that would have decided they were going to go to the draft, okay, and for, and that young of kid in the NFL would not make it very long, and he'd be broke on the side of the street, and then that would slow all that down. But they didn't want to do that. They felt too much pressure, so they went with the NIL, and they've made their bed, now they got to lay in it. So Kirby Smart, Nick Saban were in Indianapolis on the eve of, of the championship game on Monday night. They both said different things, but it was essentially the same message. They said they thought NIL had to be regulated. How, how do you go about regulating it? Nobody knows. I mean, everybody's got – that was something I've talked about the other day. There's too many Chiefs and not enough Indians, okay? It's the same thing with playoff discussions. It's the same thing with everybody. Everybody has their own agenda that they're trying to push, okay, and they're mm-hmm. trying to get out of there. But until college football, and they might as well do it now because they get a, they got an NIL, until you have a quote-unquote commissioner of college football that looks around and says, hey, SEC, thank you. Greg Sankey, appreciate you. Hey, Big 12, thank you. Hey, Big 10, thank you. But by God, this is what we're going to do. Until that moment happens, we're just sitting here wasting our time talking to each other. This college football playoff committee thing, this is going to keep going on forever. It's the same thing in NIL. It's the same thing with the transfer portal. Until we have one person that says, this is what we are going to do, you're going to see this stuff get talked about and talked about, but nobody's going to do anything. There's not going to be any action. Think we're anywhere closer to that? You get a sense of that being something that is going to happen? I do. I don't know when, but, I mean, it's definitely heading that direction. It's just a matter, again, of when they decide to do it. And that's part of the breaking away from the NCAA, right? Correct. That's forming your own governing body. Correct. And the the thing that really is, the NCAA had a golden opportunity. I think I've heard about you. You talked about it before. You know, we're talking about expanding the playoff and things like that. I you know, I've always for the betterment of the game, total game. See, I'm in the I'm in the opinion to go to sixteen teams in the playoffs. Okay. I have no problem with sixteen teams. Yeah. I just think if you're trying to make the betterment of the game, right? Now yeah. is is Northern Illinois gonna get their teeth kicked in by Alabama in the first round? Yes. Okay. But now those those two Tuesday night uh matching games and they start having playoff implications, you get more advertising, more people tuned in. Sure. Things like that. And then it allows those conferences Okay, you're at at you, let's call South Alabama since my man Kane's down there. Okay, I'm at South Alabama and I'm making the playoff. You're going to be able to go recruit at a higher level because you're making the playoff. Look what's happened to Boise. Look what's happened to Cincinnati. Look what's happened to Central Florida in their recruiting efforts since they made those runs to those games. Sure, right, I, and I think it makes the betterment of the game uh, from that standpoint. With money, and then once you get to that point, I think that's when you got to get when you expand the playoff. They need a commissioner. Period. Yeah, I've always, I've always been on this page. I have no problem with sixteen. I have, I have no problem with twelve. Um, eight's as small as I'm willing to go, and I don't see why you'd stop at eight. Um, you know, people do this about. Well, the NFL playoffs get started tomorrow yep. as we take this on a Friday afternoon. Fired up. Um, look at the the first game. I'm you know look at the matchups. Raiders, uh, the, the Raiders and Bengals, two teams, two teams that if uh, if there were you know if the NFL were just the top four teams, their seasons were over weeks ago. Instead, I mean, Cincinnati's going to be crazy tomorrow. I mean, it's going to be wild at that I, stadium. I'm, I'm slowly closet bandwagon the Bengals fan right now. Well, I've been a lifelong Bengals fan since July, and so I'm jumping on the bandwagon. Well, you can come with me. Okay, I'm a, I'm a bandwagon guy. I'm gonna order some gear and everything. I'm a Joe Burrow fan, but you know. That's good. It's good for the game. It's good for and yep. t- TV. Look at 
The TV ratings for the NFL playoffs would be great. Well, all 14 of these teams in the playoffs are not really Super Bowl contenders. But making the playoffs is an accomplishment for the Raiders this year. Making the playoffs is an accomplishment for the Arizona Cardinals. Steelers? Yeah, the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger goes out in a playoff game, but he gets a shot at it, right? You get yeah. to play it on the field. The 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 Niners in a in a regular in a college setting, their their season would have been over weeks ago. Instead, they're a threat tomorrow. I mean, uh, Sunday against Dallas. They're so, you think so? Okay, I, I kind of I picked them to win too. I was the only one in Neil's picks to pick the Niners to win, but I'm in last I'm place. Right, I'm right with you, but I've been I can't pick my nose right now. So, Cowboys probably gonna win. So I don't know. I'm 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 for it. I I think it like look at let's take Ole Miss this past season. They're in. Not only in the playoff, they're hosting a game. Yeah. Um, you know, and and in in reality, from a playoff standpoint, the night that Ole Miss lost at Auburn, that was the end of their season. Now they still had two big, two big nights. You know, because college football is college football with the pageantry and all that stuff, and they had game day come and Texas A and M game was a big game and all of those things. But if you think about what did it truly mean from a championship perspective, it right. was meaningless. Yeah, that's what. And then the other thing is, and and quick, I know this is a recruiting podcast. They got <clears> – <throat> you have less opt-outs. You don't have to deal with all that mess, okay? That's – I know you got 16 teams. That's where I was getting at. You get more teams, less opt-outs, okay? Okay, I do have a question about that, but go ahead. Okay, and then on top of that, all right, you got less opt-outs. And then – well, you don't really have to change anything, okay? Because you're, you're going to have to – you got your New Year's six games or whatever. Well, four of them are the, are the uh, quarterfinals, and then two are the semis, like they've been rotating them to begin with. Okay, you can do your home field thing. Or even on top of that – you could because you you've been in markets like you know you've been in Shreveport. How many times you've been to Independence Bowl over your life? Ten. But if you wouldn't think the Independence Bowl, like these low, you know, I'm talking that kind of level, would like to host a first round game. I mean, if you to the point of you can even have the more bowls that way, and then again increasing the product. Okay, is your lower lower level bowls now they have eight and four teams going. You know, the Birmingham Bowl's got two nine and three teams in it. It increases the bowl games if that's what they're trying to save, which is what I've been told. Yeah, then save them. Whatever it is, let's just get it. Well, out. you can still have the bowl games. The teams that the the, the teams that don't make the sixteen team playoff or the twelve team playoff, they can still go to bowl games. Everybody likes bowl games. We still watch the bowl games. Right. I mean, we people sat there and watched the Texas Bowl for God's sake on January the fourth. They between, made up one this year. Yeah, enough well, teams. Well, I mean, yeah. So I mean, I don't. I've never even thought that was an issue. I mean, if your team, like, if you're, you know. Six and six, and you go to a bowl game. Okay, you go to a bowl game. It doesn't have to be a play. It never was a playoff game before. What's the damn difference? Right. But you do expand the number of games that 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 matter, and you make like that Ole Miss Texas A and M game, which was a big game from a bowl standpoint, yeah. becomes a, a much bigger game. Yes, yeah, national when, title stuff. When suddenly it's hey man, you know if if Ole Miss wins, they're probably hosting a first round game. Yeah, it's big. It's a totally different deal than, hey, if Ole Miss wins, you know, and then if somebody else loses, Ole Miss might get to go to the Sugar Bowl or the Peach Bowl or whatever. That's cool, but it's not nearly as cool as making the playoffs. So here's my question, though. You've been at two SEC programs, including one that was a perennially in these playoff games. The big storyline around Matt Corral the entire month leading up to the Sugar Bowl was, are you opting out? Should you opt out? Why aren't you opting out? Aren't you taking a hell of a risk? If you change that from one bowl game to potentially four playoff games, how many college players will look at that and go, it's too big of a risk? I mean, we just saw Jamison Williams. Zero. Because it's playoffs. It's, it's four something, period. I mean, to my knowledge, and I could be dead wrong, but I don't think I am. I don't think Cincinnati, Michigan, Georgia, or Alabama 
any of those guys. Nobody opted out. out. Okay. No. And those guys played 15 games, or Georgia and Alabama did. Not one player opted out. And it's for something. I think this this opt out stuff is relatively new. Christian McCaffrey, I think, was the first big one that did it. You know, what is it? Five, six years. Seven yeah, he opted now. out of the Sun Bowl right. at Stanford. I think it was the year we were here and went to the Birmingham Bowl. I think it was the same year. I don't know. But anyway, long story short is this opting out stuff, like we had guys at Alabama we played in the Sugar Bowl that wasn't, you know, they want to compete. I think it says something about the kid's character. Okay? You can't play the game. I don't care. And I know I know fans, and I saw the stuff of Matt after he got hurt, and everybody's like, oh, he should have sat out. Look, it's up to the kid. Okay, if the kid came to me and said, I don't want to play, I'm not putting him out there because I don't want somebody out there thinking that they're going to get hurt. That's when you do get hurt because you start easing up. The people who get hurt a lot of times are the guys that are going in, you know, don't go into things full. To, you can get rolled up, which he did, and, and it was an awkward deal that happened to him, right? But he's okay. It's not going, he's not going to lose one pick of draft stock. Right. And if it does anything, it's going to help him because, and I know this, I know a bunch of NFL guys too, obviously. And I asked a specific question. I said, if it came down to uh, Pickett and Matt Corral, and they're on your board and you're deciding, I said, would something like that separate Matt Corral? And the answer I got was absolutely yes. Yeah, because in an NFL building, players want to know, coaches want to know, people want to know that the quarterback is in. Because you don't come out in the NFL. Uh, You you play. Yeah. You play until you can't play. You play until you can't play. And, uh, look, I – I love the hell out of the kid. I do. I think he is as competitive as they come. And you could have played that game in a damn parking lot. He was going to play. And that's and but it's up to the kid. I don't think it. I don't think it's up to coaches. I think it's up to the kid. But if but I'm telling you, if somebody came to me and said, "Hey, I'm thinking about this. I don't want him to play because yeah. he's going to get himself hurt, and then I'm going to feel bad." But if a kid like tells me he wants to play, I'm going to let him play. It's football. You can't play. It's a grown ass man game. People get hurt. It's part of the deal. You have to come into it ready to go. All right, let's transition here. You talked about Matt Corral. Obviously, one of the big storylines around Ole Miss right now is trying to replace Matt Corral, which Ooh. is difficult, obviously. But it's listen, part of college. You know this. You, yep. what you did it for a living. <laughs> uh, it's what you're helping people do with Quick U. Um, it's part of the game. You, 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 you bring guys in to be good, and then when they're good and they go to the NFL, you say, that's awesome. Now i got to find the next one, yep. which is hard, but that's part of the gig. Part of the gig. Um Ole Miss is obviously in the portal. Let me get your thoughts first. What, from the little that you saw of Luke Altmaier as a true freshman, what what were your impressions? You know, I thought he, I was, uh, you know, he got thrown in. Uh, I hope fans understand this. He got thrown in an impossible situation. Um, in the Tennessee game when he came in, I felt bad. I mean, it was like, I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. it was like lights. In the, I mean, like. He was over there chilling, you know, had his eye black on, oh, grab my helmet, here we yeah. go. And a year earlier, he was and playing he, at Starkville High yeah, School. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, so that's that was his, you know, and I know he played in some other games, I'm just saying, that's, you're like, oh. But then in the bowl game, when he, he really got his first extended deal, you know, it's it's not going on. You just don't flip the light switch on. And people are like, well, Matt, Matt Corral, if you, do, you know, we did the same thing to Matt Corral, you know, when he was a freshman. And it, it was a similar results, you yeah. know. You, Got a, Matt lost his cool in that yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wrong guy got thrown out that game. By the way, yeah, I got. Sure. Did I ever tell you? I got my. I got hit hard. No, in that game. Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was my. I, I mean, because it just went to chaos. Yeah. First of all, I thought it was really cool, you know. But then I'm going down there. I'm like, let's get the quarterback away, you know. But he's the one, that, you know. Now, because I couldn't see, you can't see anything field level. You know, TV is so much better. 
I had no idea he started it. I just saw him with his helmet off. That's where I got concerned. <laughs> and I knew we had no one left to take a snap. I'm like, it's already bad enough. When we're going, what are we going to do? And uh, who would have had they gotten that right and they thrown him out? Who would have quarterbacked the rest of that game? I don't even know. Um, yeah, I know. I, I have nothing for you. I don't. I, don't, I really, honestly, have no idea. I, I mean, because um, he absolutely threw a punch. Oh, he started it. Yeah, <laughs> and they threw. And they. I don't know if you. They ejected two, but it was they ejected two from Mississippi State. Oh, is that right? Yeah. They, so it was like, thank you. Didn't help, but is that where they threw out y'all's kicker? Yeah, they threw out somebody that wasn't even in the game too. It was. It was. Wonderly got thrown out of a game one time, and he didn't do anything. That may have been it. I don't remember. I just remember it was complete <laughs> chaos. I mean, yeah. and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm two foot tall, as a lot of your people like to troll me, think I'm a short shit and whatever. But I, I couldn't see anything. And then I'm going out there and just wham, I got hit. And I'm like, by the time I turn around to figure out what's going on, you know, I'm like, there was no one there. It's like came out as like a ghost. But, um, you know, he goes into he goes into that game going back and. I think you get this. I think it's good for Lane because now you get to evaluate really – you get him in a really an impossible situation. And I honestly, I thought he did okay. I didn't think he did for, for – I think he did fine. I mean, he throw a pick, yeah, the ball got batted and all that. But, I mean, the guy got thrown against a pretty damn good defense, right, yeah. in a big moment and, and held his own. He did okay. And, as, and I'll notice this, for me anyway, I don't know if the fans think the same way, but – I felt as the game went on, you saw him get a little bit more and more and more comfortable. Sure. Um, you know, the big thing with him being a young quarterback is seeing how much the system changes on him in the offseason. Uh, but at least you got three quarters of an evaluation to say, hey, is this a guy we can do it around or not? You know, do we need to go get a portal guy? You know, those kind of things. So they're in the portal. Uh, uh, they they were involved with uh, Spencer Rattler. Couldn't get that done. Um, they were involved with uh, – They're better off. Yeah, I think so too. Um, they kicked the tires on Cameron Ward, who's at Houston now. Um, I don't think Ole Miss ever got really serious there. They got involved slash maybe still are involved to a very minor degree with Caleb Williams. I don't, I don't gather that there's any traction there. I was under the assumption that's USC or bust. That's what it feels like. It feels like USC is just, hey, let's make sure that we dot every I and cross every T and don't get caught for tampering. Allegedly. Allegedly tampering. Which brings us to Jackson Dart, who's kind of the hot name right now. He's at Oklahoma as we speak. He's supposed to leave there at some point in the next 24 hours. He's either coming here or to Fort Worth on Saturday. And as of now, either going here or to Fort Worth late Sunday. That sounds like the plan of the moment. What do you know about him? A very talented player. Had a meniscus tear, I believe, early in his career. Um but I mean, he's fine. He played with it. I think he played with a brace on his knee, on his not on his front leg, on his back leg, which is good for a quarterback. Um, you know, I've watched him play. I got to watch a lot of football this year. Um, very talented kid. I don't think he's Matt Corral. I think he's a very talented kid. Um, he, I mean, if you if you could pick on him at all from a mechanic standpoint, he does get a little long with his release and he drops the ball a little bit. So, you know, especially for ball security issues in the pocket, if you're going to be a pocket guy. Uh, doesn't run it, runs it okay. I call him an adequate runner. Um, he's not Matt. Um, but even the good thing is, is though, you know, wherever he decides to go, he's going to have a quarterback guru at all of his stops, right? And Lane's one of the best quarterback coaches that there are um, out there. And so I think they'll tighten up his release a little bit regardless. But even though it's long, 
something that's, that is very encouraging is that a lot of these guys that have these long releases and drop the ball, it takes forever to get the ball out. He can, he can get through it quick. So, you know, the timing is probably the same. It's just the motion's a little long. But, you know, I think he'll be successful wherever he goes. Um, will he come in and be, you know, it's just going to be hard. Whoever it is has big shoes to fill. You know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's going to be tough. I know you and I talked before we got started. You don't know a lot about Trigg other than he was a, a tight end at, at SC. Yeah, very little. I know I know about the off-the-field stuff probably better. Uh, Zach Evans, the running back from TCU, who I know you were involved with when you were at Ole Miss. For a, allegedly. Oh, allegedly. <laughs> um, what's, assuming that he takes care of everything academically, assuming that he's in shape and ready to roll when August rolls around, what kind of a back is he? How, how different – how, how different is he from some of the guys that were in there that room before? Because that room's totally turned upside down now. You've got Jerry Neely's gone, uh, Snoop Connor's gone, um, Henry Parrish is in the portal, presumably headed to Miami. Totally different room. Kentrell Bullock could be back, but I mean it's a totally different running back room now. And frankly, if, if you're Ole Miss, is that well, you have Quinchon Judkins coming in? Good player. Uh, that's right, because you've looked at him a lot on, on tape. What do you What do you think of Evans if he's if he's the guy? He would have been the best running back in the room if he was there this year. The talent's never been the issue with that guy. Um, he can really play, um, which is funny is there's two transfer running backs this year, big time. You know, Jameer Gibbs goes to Alabama. Uh, Zach Evans comes here. And they're both probably, the, in my opinion, since since he came to Alabama and left, and obviously uh, Chase will know, they're probably the two closest things I've seen to Alvin Kamara since. They're very both very good out of the backfield, uh, which just goes to the way of the game now. Both very smooth, um, but I mean he's an elite player. I mean he is. He's a guy that I mean he can get it done. That's never it's never been an issue on the field for him. He's a baller. And it's not really motor. It's just kind of uh, it's kind of more motivation at times with him. Is that right? Just sometimes just kind of checks out a little bit. It's got a lot going on. Yeah, yeah a lot going on. Uh, between the ears and off the field and everything else. And just when he gets on the field and it's time to go, he can go. I know he's he's very – you know, and I say Alvin Kamara because they're very similar off the field too. Very eccentric, um, you know, artsy kind of people. Uh, I guess we had our run-in with one of those here before um, <laughs> as a defense lineman. But, you know – I remember. You remember that guy? I do. Um, but the kids, I mean, is immensely talented. He can. He would be the best running back in the room if he was there this year. Um, any year, he'll be the best running back probably at any school that he would go to. I mean, he would be a starter. He could literally start. You know, everybody says that. He could literally start anywhere in the country. I mean, he's that good. Ole Miss loses uh, Chance Campbell to the draft. They lose um, Mark Robinson to just out of eligibility. They obviously needed to add someone to the linebacker group. They got Troy Brown from Central Michigan. I know you've you've watched him some because you've you watch you watch pretty much everything now. Yeah. What are your impressions of him? Uh, if he can stay on the field, and he, I'm going over under targeting ejections at four, <laughs> four, really? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like if you watch his film, it's like a targeting. It's like a targeting teach tape. I mean, he he he's not scared of contact. You don't have to. It, you don't have to inspire him no, to attack. Yeah. No, he likes he likes contact. So you don't have to. You know, I really uh, uh, the Springer kid. Dude, he, he he to me when he came back this year because you know I watched all the games and all that stuff. He that's when the defense changed for me. Mm-hmm. You know, they were getting ran through like shit through a tin horn before he while he was out. 
Yeah, Springer wasn't with him against Alabama or against Arkansas, and then I guess he came back. Uh, did he come back for the Tennessee game? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, he was. Oh, he was back. He came back, I think, somewhere. You know, I don't know. Somebody may can help me out on that. But when he came back, for me, is when I saw a change. In him. Like he, he is a. I love that guy. Did it again. Yeah, yeah. I love. He, let me tell you who he reminds me of. He reminds me of almost like a more phys- like a Mike Hilton. How good he was for us when we were here the first time. I mean, this kid can play, man. I think he's going. to – I think I don't know what his draft stuff is, but he'll make a team. You always recruited that Mobile area. You're, you're from very familiar with that area from South Alabama. What do you know about DJ Jones, who's coming into town? I mean, Auburn's making a run at him. Miami's involved, but Ole Miss is right there. What do you What do you know of him? Yeah, he's from actually from Spanish Fort. <clears throat> we uh, that's where I lived when I was down there. He played for one of my uh, my good buddies. We recruited him here, home of the Toros. Home of the Toros. That's right. Yeah. Um, and we recruited him here. Uh, we had some uh, some things fell through at the end, not that kind of stuff. But uh, we did recruit him here, and you know decided to go out to Oregon. Um, very good cover guy, very long. Um, he's a guy that can really, really do things. I think he'll I mean, he'll help for sure. He's gonna be. I think he'll be very similar to what DeAndre Prince was here. Very similar yeah, kind of guy. Good, good player. Yeah. If it's your thoughts. I mean, this is all a new thing. I, mean, I, I said this many times last season, and I, I, I think I'm right because it's, it's kind of an ambiguous quote, but Lane Kiffin might be on to something and he might be making a mistake. I don't know. I'm being this dependent on the portal, at least right now, they were very picky with high school kids this past year. Um, then got beat on a few that they wanted at the end, and – they're heavy on the portal this time around. They're they're still – we're focused on this January the 18th through the 31st period. Look, the 31st is going to come and go, and they're still going to be involved in the portal. Oh, they're yeah. they're going to bring guys into the portal, out of the portal June 1st to go into the summer. No, you can't. Do you, do you think – not even about Ole Miss specifically, Tyler, but just in general, is, is there – do you think some programs are going to get burned being overly dependent on the portal, or do you think some programs are going to make this their identity? Yeah, and <clears throat> there's been a lot of a lot of discussions about the NCAA is getting really good at moving the goalposts lately at a at a quicker rate. You know, they say, okay, you got 32 guys, right? You used to have 25. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a big number. Okay, yeah, massive. And so, if it, if going 32, if you're trying to build a program, and I'm talking about build a program to win every single year. Okay, you and I have talked a thousand times over the last couple of years about that's just not where. You know, I got a class and a half, right? I mean, you just don't have time to really build and put these recruiting classes. You got to win now. And so there's this big, big separation. And I want the fans to understand this because it's something I don't think they think about. From a coach's perspective, and we've talked about this the whole time, you know, when I was here the last time, okay, when I was my, – my mentality from the first time I was here to the last time I was here changed. First time I was here, man, we're building something to really – I want to build something to make Ole Miss a winner year in, year out. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I was here, what, two two classes and then went to that place across the street. All right, but when I came back, coaching had changed and your timing, your time frame, you don't have – I'm building stuff for somebody else. I'm not building – I mean, yeah, we played them as freshmen, but they're not ready to play. You know, we had to play them because of the the issues we had with probation and all that stuff, right? But you're now you're building it for somebody else. But so from a coach's perspective, they don't care. They got to win now or you're going to run them out of town. Okay? 
But from a university's perspective, to make the product great, you need to give them time, and they need, and you need to build that base up. And so if you're trying to build something, I always say the number, high school number right now, is probably like 22. And when I say high school, if you can get a transfer portal guy that has three years of eligibility or more remaining, then you would count them in that 22. Okay. All right? Because you're going to get your upside down in your 85 so fast, and you're never going to be able to catch up. But from a coach's perspective, they don't care about the they don't care what's going to happen in the roster five years from now because if I I can go build it, I'm, I'm living proof. You can go build all you want to, all right. But they're going to run your ass out of town, and somebody else gets to enjoy the players you have. Does that make sense? And so yeah, the coach, of course, the coach needs to win, and so he's just going to start. You know, hey, I'm going I'm going to win and get my guys in here and win now, okay. But the taxes are going to be due sooner or later with a roster management. And so balancing that's the trick. You know, now that he just signed a contract and he's here for a while, allegedly, you know, but, I mean, now would be a good time to do it. But, again, the taxes are due because of the transfer portal and in and out and everything else. And we never really recovered from, never got back on it because the portal came in right after uh, probation, basically. So you and I talked about this earlier this week a little bit. We were chatting about something else. The loser in all this, forget the programs for a minute. And I think the right word is the loser. I mean, the victim here, if you will, is the kid coming out of high school now. The kid that you would go evaluate when you were at Ole Miss. The kid that you would go evaluate and you're like, you know, he's going to need a development year, but really think we love his upside. Snoop Connors of the world. Love the kid, et cetera, et cetera. Not going to be ready to help us right now, but we're going to put him in the the program. We'll put him in the weight room, all that stuff. We're going to redshirt him, all that stuff. A lot of those kids, those opportunities are gone now. The gone. Num- you were giving me a stat about Ohio, the state of Ohio, that was just like, wow, eye-popping. Yeah, so numbers are starting to come out. I'm actually, we're going to do a study when sign day, this last one's over with. Uh, we're busy right now. But <clears throat> every year Ohio has between like 120 and 150, 60 kids somewhere there, uh, Division One kids a year. Uh, this year, 66. So like half of their normal number, not because they got less talented. It's because exactly what you're saying. There's no need to stretch on guys, okay? I mean, I get calls every day from high school kids, but being dead serious, your Mike Hilton's, your Evan Ingram's, your Snoop Connors. So where do those kids go now? Are they, they going to the smaller levels? They either go smaller level, because now you're what I would say back. Like, wait, we mentioned Kane Womack. Kane's at a Sun oh, Belt program. All right, listen, I, will, I won't tell who the kid is, but, I, you know, I talked to Kane a good bit. and Sure. So uh, another one of our buddies got a head job in Alabama a couple uh, weeks ago, and so uh, I was helping him. I was going, you know, he said, "Who? Give me a. Can you give me help me out find the top uncommitted kids in Alabama?" So I got the list, and, I, and I'm watching these guys with him, and I'm like, "Holy!" Shit. I was like, "This kid's a player." And I look, and the kid is like a mile. It's the closest. Well, you're a Mobile guy, Baker High School. Mm-hmm. It's the closest high school to uh, to South Alabama's campus. Okay. I called Kane. I said, what am I missing on this kid? I said, I know he's that close. You know everything about him. He says, no, he's a great player. He said, he ran a 4-4-1 on our, on, our, on our camp. I said, you're not taking him? And he said, well, we're on better. I said, you're on better than this guy? And he's like, yeah. And he I'm meant, like. He meant in the portal. Well, no, he just meant now because you're going so portal heavy. Oh, okay. The guys that would be going to Ole Miss and Georgia, Mississippi State, and Alabama, now they're falling down to the group of five level. Not all of them, but you remember, they're taking 25 guys normally. So those guys go to the group of five level, and then the ones that, that pop 
Kane can't keep him because he can't offer them the NIL deal that Auburn That's... or Georgia or Florida can offer him. And so he becomes a feeder system for those schools. That's the catch-22. You know, if they go – if they can get them in the portal, okay, now they got them and they can't go anywhere, but they're not really top-level kids because they're going everywhere else, right? Sure. Because right now there's massive inflation, okay, in the portal. I will say that. If you're an offensive lineman, if you got a heartbeat in the portal and you played tackle, you're getting – you're getting any oh, any look at the kid from FIU any spot you want kid from FIU jumps in the portal big offensive tackle good player not great right good dude has forty offers in an hour yeah it's insane it's a lot of inflation going on in the portal right went now. to LSU by the way notice LSU's success in the portal yeah well that's the other thing too now and this is something interesting about the portal too is when you get a job so like like a Kelly gets the job late instead of having to go rescue you know, saying family, you know, having to go rescue a, a recruiting class in two weeks, okay? Yeah. He can go rescue a recruiting class through the portal. Yeah. Okay, because those kids don't care. Portal recruiting and it's about show me the money, okay? It's portal recruiting, high school recruiting, to, two totally different things. So he can go save his, save a class in the portal and then go work on the next high school yeah, class. rebuild a lot faster. Yeah. Okay. Well, you don't actually even rebuild. You just kind right. of just, you just reload a little yeah, bit. Just but paint. that's my question, though, is how sustainable is that? Like you see Elaine Kiffin trying to do it right now. And and it might work. I mean, look, I mean they've they've added Brown and they've added. Um, there's a DB that I, his name's escaping me. Let's say they get DJ James. Let's say for the sake of it, they get Trig and Dart, and you get Zach Evans, and maybe they get the wide receiver from uh, Wyoming that they had in over the course of the weekend. You you bring all those guys in, right? Kind of reloaded. Yeah, it's not a hard formula now to say how many they're going to get because I will. How many did they sign? Was it? 18, 15? Yeah, it was, it was a small number. It was 16, 17, I think. Okay, so you take 32 and you subtract that, that's how many portal guys they're bringing in. Right. Okay, and they're just going to get to the 85 by processing guys to the portal or whatever they got to do, right? Sure. And so the, it's all about the 85, okay? Where it becomes a problem is when you have more than 32, when you, if you have a big senior class, okay? So all of a sudden you end up losing more people. Let's say you have 25 seniors, Okay. All right. Well, that takes you down to sixty total scholarships, right? If you lose, if you start losing guys, more guys, the portal, you may end up down to you know, you know, forty-five scholarship players. Okay, if you're only adding thirty-two to it, now you're below your eighty-five. Right. So you don't have eighty-five scholarship players. Okay, that's where it becomes a problem. That's where that GM position has become. Yeah, and it's really a, important. It used to be a lot easier to roster manage. The hardest part, like when you're at Alabama, the hardest part about roster managing Alabama was. You know, I'd spend uh, fall camp every year. I would go out, and the freshman that we had just signed, I would go out and watch him and say, like, when I looked at Derrick Henry, I was like, you know what? This guy's probably going to be a three-year guy. You yeah, know, sure. You know, you looked at that. When you see Marlon Humphrey out there, he's going to be a three-year guy. And so you start taking those when you have to – because you don't – and I had said this, I think, on a podcast I did with you a long time ago when we were talking about the issues here with the linebacker room, right? You can't fix – now with the portal, you can used to could not fix problems overnight like that. You would it'd take two years of development. So it, you had to, if you see a problem coming, you go recruit some people and develop them so when that guy leaves, you have people ready to play. Right. Now with the portal, that's changed night and day. Now can you keep the number above 85 is going to be the magic trick. Um, there is some talk out there amongst coaches um, that said, hey, don't even worry about it. You just get your roster right because they think that the NCAA is going to say, just get to 85, do away with initials. I think that's that's coming. That's a proposal that's out there. I do too. 
I think that's coming because they don't they don't like the perception of holding your feet to the fire when you've got under 85 through no fault of your own, if you will. They're going to have to put some kind of minimum, maybe a floor or whatever it is, of saying how many four-year guys or whatever, you know, because it's like you said, it's killing high school recruits. The other group that never gets mentioned, and I won't say it because we're in Mississippi, no one is recruiting JUCO players right now. Nobody. And where I told, you know, I'm helping Kane and those guys, and, and I was like, look, I was like, you can go get you a really – because why would you go if you're Ole Miss or you're Alabama or Georgia, why do you want to go take a chance on a guy that you go you already know that can play over here in the portal? Why would you go take a chance on a JUCO guy? It has crushed JUCO recruitment. Yeah, because the JUCO guy typically takes a year. It's And they're already out of some eligibility. The clock's already started. Yep. Return on – yeah, your ROI's not as good. I always say it takes a year. You'll get playing time out of them. If if it's a two-year guy, you get playing time. That's why the three for twos, you know, a three-year three years of, uh, with two years of playing left, we call them three for twos. Those were valuable because that first year you're not getting anything out of them, and then you can get two years in return on investment. If you look at somebody like Dontario Drummond, yeah. great example. Yeah. Okay. If it wasn't for COVID, last year would have been his last year, and he would have missed this year. But you see how much better he's gotten as time goes on. That's a great point. You know, those guys are – it takes oh, – Sam about, Williams. Sam Williams. Sam was a freak show. Sam was – they don't build him like that much anymore. They, he was uh, – he, was but he a got a whole lot out of this year. That, he got a ton. That last year would have been his last year, and we would have looked back at it and said, ah, good player, typical Juco guy. That's what, we, that's what you would have said, kind of typical Juco guy. Yeah. He's uh, – they don't, they don't make him like that too often. I passed on him in high school, by the way, 206 pounds. Robert Lee High School. Yeah. yeah. And I got a chance to go get him back, though, when he got bigger. See, so you could have never told anybody that. No one would have known. Yeah, now they do. Those are hard calls, though. But but now, 206-pound Sam Williams at Robert E. Lee doesn't get sniffs. No. I mean, he – He, he doesn't He doesn't get a high – he doesn't get a sniff from a power Oh, five. no. Uh-uh. And he, and he wasn't getting sniffs by a group of fives back then, you know. Yeah. But he, he was uh, – you know, he, he showed up uh, – I had to go check the – when – so I, I saw him on film. Okay, he comes to a camp here, and they told me what he, what he jumped. I mean, he was two hundred and fifty-eight pounds or something when he came, and he jumped like thirty-six and a half inches. And I said, "Yeah, y'all did it wrong." And then I'm back doing something else, and then he went and ran, um, really fast. And I can't remember the exact time, but it was sub four four. And I said, "The y'all screwing up my watches." I was really, I was getting after some rear ends, and I went and. Uh, timed it myself, and I said, hey, why don't you come on me? Let's go see Coach Luke. <laughs> so he didn't have to do anything. He's good. He's a freak show. Um, I was about to ask you, there's something, there's one other question I had. And in my feeble mind, I, I lost getting it. old. I had, there's no doubt about that. Well, I was, we was doing a show a minute ago. I was going to wrap up a couple of things. Um, Kirby finally gets one. Will that make it easier for him to get the second one? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, – and I told him I, I I thought it was this their uh, said going in the game it's kind of their Roger Bannister moment right I mean they got they've been getting after it getting after it getting so close so close and you know people don't remember this but you do because I know you were covering it you know Nick when he came to the SEC Urban Meyer was the boogeyman you know Urban Meyer was the one he had to get over yeah right yeah and he was six and six his first year and then lost to him the first time and then it took him three years to beat him once he beat him they took off. You know, first year, um, he lost to ULM. You remember that? I do. Yeah. Your Warhawks. 
Um, and then uh, Kirby went seven and five his first year. Yeah. Um, and it took him some time to get it over. Now the difference is, is uh, I don't know what the odds are. I'm sure it's probably close to even money. Alabama is probably going to embarrass everyone they play next year. This is his best team. Yeah, the COVID year was really good. Um, I mean, you got to think about it. The guy's going to have, I mean, unless something crazy happens in the 2023 NFL draft, he's probably going to have the number one and number two overall pick on his team. Do you buy some of the people that are whispering out there? And we do this a lot, but he will turn 71 on Halloween. Do you do you buy any of the people saying that if next year is the year that so many people think it will be for Alabama that he'll walk out on top? I don't – I had this conversation with him when I when I went over there. And I was like, Coach, look, like, how long are you going to be doing this deal, you know, whatever. And his original plan, I think, was go to 70. And we we're past that. Yeah. And uh, I don't – being with the guy, I think he goes till he goes – I think he goes to the grave with it. I really do. He is – I mean, the guy's what, 71 years old now? 70? I don't know what it is. He'll be 71 on Halloween. Halloween. Mm-hmm. All right, so – I've never seen a human being in the profession at 25 or 71 work as hard. I mean, the guy's a machine. Like, he's not human. I mean, he's a he's literally a machine. I know what I was going to ask. Speaking of people that you work with, we'll, we'll stop with this one. Your uh, your buddy Chris Kiffin is coming back. My man. To, uh, to Ole Miss as a co-defensive coordinator. He's going to coach linebackers. He's been in the NFL the last few years with the Niners and then most recently with the Browns. I know personality-wise, totally different guy than Lane. I'm not, I don't mean that as a criticism, <laughs> just different people. Um, but Chris is – I always thought was an elite recruiter when he was at Ole Miss, and then he got wrapped up in the NCAA thing unfairly. I mean, you should never have allowed someone to sleep on the couch because – yeah, We don't do that. I don't know how you – I mean, that's just such an unfair advantage. Um, but he got wrapped up in that, went, went, did the NFL thing for just a little while. How, how does how does Chris Kiffin change Ole Miss from a recruiting standpoint? In your opinion, how does he change? How, how what kind of a defensive coach will he be replacing DJ Durkin? Yeah, he he is, uh, and I don't I didn't know DJ. I never met DJ, but Chris I've worked with. Obviously, he's one of the best recruiters I've ever I've ever worked with. I mean, he's a he's what I call a dog. I mean, you just cut him loose and let him go, and and he'll come back with a with a result. Uh, great ball coach. I love him to death. Uh, we've been. Talking and texting through all this, uh, all this stuff, which was, <laughs> which was interesting. Um, but I, I told him I can't wait for him to get back. I have somebody to go drink a beer with. So, um, but he's a good friend of mine. Uh, we've been together. We were we started. I mean, shoot, uh, Arkansas State. I guess way back was well, been ten, twelve years ago now, uh, when Hugh hired him. Um, but yeah, it's 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 kind of unique. I had my two kids. He had all his kids, and I had another one. So we got booked in. So. Uh, between him and I, we got every grade covered between <laughs> kindergarten and 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 whatever. But uh, I'm so glad he's getting back. I actually texted with him this morning. Um, I don't even know when he's coming. I tried to see when he's coming. I don't know when he's showing up, but I can't wait for him to get back. He's a, he's a very good friend of mine, been a friend, and I know it's hard for him to leave that NFL lifestyle. I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty good gig up there now. I know. Um, but he gets a chance to come work with his brother. Um, gets a chance to uh, get back in the college game, but he will definitely help. I mean, um, again, I think he's one of. The, I mean, if he had never left and the NCAA hadn't uh, got mad about the couch, I mean, he's one of the. He's an elite recruiter, and he's he's a great evaluator. I mean, uh, that's a big time win uh, for Ole Miss. Really appreciate your time. You Thanks bet, for man. Doing this. Appreciate it. We got any trolls today? Uh, no, you haven't been trolled at all, people. 
People, I love my they're, trolls. They're mostly just talking recruiting, best I can tell. <laughs> they seem they no, no one's mad at you today. You're part of the you're part of the MPW Digital Network now, so yeah. He, you know. I love my trolls though. It makes my makes my day smile. Makes me smile. Yeah, sometimes it's kind of fun. <laughs> it I, is. I get a kick out of it. Appreciate uh, you, you bet, doing brother. that. Uh, thanks for doing that. We'll uh, we'll come back sometime next week. I'm trying to get back into a routine here, as you guys know. We had kind of a curveball thrown, and we've, we're trying to work our way through it here at the, uh, the Soft Verbal Podcast. Again, don't forget uh, College Corner, two stops in the Jackson area. You can also check them out at collegecornerstore.com. Thanks again to Tyler Siski. That does it for this week's edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast. Until next week, take care. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.